Welcome to another episode of Once Upon East 112. My name is Aaron Aver, and I am happy. And with me is Donatus Carroll, who is not so much. How are you? Well, I mean, I guess you can be happy. But based on, yeah, I'm going off of the sports. How are you, Donatus? Let me quit rambling here. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I feel like it, this is week four of the NFL. It's uh, So it's week four of us doing our podcast recap. And like I've said the previous three weeks, Life-wise, I'm doing great. Sports-wise, uh, the Atlanta Falcons continue. I'm not going to say that they continue to let me down because I'm not getting my hopes up anymore, uh, but they continue to just uh, – they continue – I'm not even going to say underperform. They continue to just be the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, yeah, man. Well, um, what, I, what I like with what you just said is you said you don't – you haven't been broken enough yet then. Because the, the, you, you said you don't allow them to let you down anymore. You don't know true let down until you've been a Browns fan and been optimistic every game going in. And you just can or every season, let me say, maybe not every game. Because we 0-16, I had no hopes of winning uh, every game. But every season, we go in full of optimism and just get let down. And then we get, then they find, like I feel like the Falcons have done this this year, the Browns find new ways to lose, which the Falcons are doing. So y'all are getting a glimpse of what I've been going through for years. <laughs> well, I just uh, I just hope that the uh, the Falcons don't become the Browns, man, because that 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 is just not going to work, dude. Like that's that's not going to work at all, man. So they better they better figure it out. That's all I got to say. Oh man. Uh- <laughs> How are you, anyways? <laughs> about the, about the <laughs> depressing Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Talking, well, not enough, but, uh, <laughs> man, I'm doing good. Can't complain. I feel like this week, like yesterday, went by really slowly, and then today went by, I feel like it went by really quickly. So I don't know what this week has in store for us. <laughs> um, one day was slow, one day was fast, so we'll see what tomorrow does. Um, but all in all, it's been pretty good um, for the people out there, the people. Johnson and I were texting today, and we're going to get into the conversation. We're going to talk about, yes, we're going to talk about the Falcons. We have a, a duty here to talk about the Falcons and how terrible they are. And we also have a duty to talk about how great the Cleveland Browns are. But before we get to that, um, I never thought that was going to be a thing. Like, I don't think that I ever really thought that the Browns were going to be this much better than the Atlanta Yeah, Just being honest. Finally. I can relish in it. Um, but as long as it keeps up, if we fall apart and go 3-13, and 13, darn you. But, oh, if that happens. I, I, let me knock on some wood. I'm going to knock on every piece of wood in this house right now because I don't need us going, <laughs> losing the last 12 of our game. Um, but we were talking, and before we get into the Falcons, um, we're going to monitor the season for Donatus and the Falcons and see if things get any better or worse. And if they and if Donatus does not deem anything that happens in this season worth Staying a Falcons fan for because right now there's very little to hold on to. Um, we will be we will be having we will be having at the end of the season a reallegiance podcast episode. And so what that means is if you are tired of your team and you are just 
we're ready to get rid of all that nonsense and and re <laughs> recommit. It sounds like I'm, I'm preaching over here. Recommit <laughs> or commit to a new NFL team to join their fan base. Uh, we will be having a re-allegiance <laughs> episode at the end of the season as long as Donatus still feels that the Falcons are not worth his time. Uh, so stay posted as the season goes on um, and as we have our conversation on if that will happen. Um, but first, the Falcons. Donatus, I know you texted me and you said that you have literally nothing to say. So me and my um, great podcast interviewing self came up with some leading questions to get the conversation going. All we want to know about the game last night, but what happened? What went wrong last night? What, what was, if you could sum it up in, in, in a little bit of time, I didn't watch, I'm not going to lie, I watched absolutely none of the game. Once they backed the game up to 8.50, I wake up at 5.15, I was like, I'm not staying <laughs> up to watch the Falcons not do anything, so I'm going to bed. Um, but if you could sum it up, what went wrong? Why would, because it looks bad, in my opinion. I have Matt Ryan on my fantasy team, he hadn't done nothing for two weeks. What went wrong? Yeah, so surprisingly enough, the the score the score doesn't really tell the full story. The score makes us look a little bit better than than we actually were. Um, long story short, we have a lot of injuries at offense, uh, at receiver and defensive back. Uh, Dirt Cutter made some questionable play calling. Um, we finally decided to get Todd Gurley involved. Uh, Julio went out in the second half, and Calvin Ridley didn't have a single reception. So, based off of that, that kind of tells you how the game went. Aaron Rodgers looked like he did 10 years ago when he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, the Packers spent the majority of the game with three running backs in. Um, and some guy named Robert, I think his name is Robert. Let's see. Yeah, Robert Tunyon out of Indiana State. Um, he had six receptions, 98 yards, and three touchdowns. And, uh, on two touchdowns that the Packers scored, the Falcons left the guy wide open. Like, literally, there was not anybody anybody within the uh the first or the like five to ten yards of the person. Um the first play of the game, I think it was the first play of the game for the Atlanta Falcons, um, we threw the ball to Calvin Ridley. He went to catch it and cut at the same time. Well as he did that he dropped the football and I knew at that point from the first play of the game I knew it was going to be a long game. Because I'm talking like, had he caught it, he would have scored, man. There was nobody between him and the end zone. But he dropped it, and I was like, well, so that's okay. Um, DeMonte Casey went went down, uh, torn Achilles for the season. Uh, So I'm just going to keep this short. Um, It's 646. I'm going to spend maybe five minutes tops talking about the Falcons, and I'll let you get to your (laughs) questions. Um. We we finally, finally, finally established Todd Gurley. Um and it it was enough to show that our offensive line is terrible. Like I think Todd Gurley is still a good running back after watching him play yesterday. 
Um, but our offensive line is absolutely horrendous. Like, they are – I don't even know of another word. They're abysmal. Like, they are – they're – I don't even know of other words besides horrendous and abysmal, but think of synonyms for those two words, and that's the Atlanta Falcons' offensive line. Like they are, they are, they're beyond garbage, man. Like they're they're terrible. Um, so Gurley had 16 carries for 57 yards and two touchdowns, um, but he actually he looked a lot better than those stats make him look. Um, Dirk Cutter's play calling it talked about that. Dirk Cutter for whatever reason in this game got very run happy, which is opposite of what Dirk Cutter is. Like he loves to throw the ball sixty times a game. And and he didn't do that this game. Matt Ryan threw the ball thirty nine times, um, which sounds like a lot, but we're used to Ryan throwing it, you know, forty five to fifty times in a game. Um Cutter tried to establish the run when it wasn't there to establish, and I, I, I don't really fully understand that. Um, but I think, like, after after last night, the only thing that I really have to say about the Atlanta Falcons is that it's time, man. It, it's, it's, it's past time to fire Dan Quinn. It's past time to fire uh, Dirk Cutter. Thomas Dimitrov needs to go, too, which he can be let go at the end of the season or now. That doesn't really matter to me, but, like, those three dudes, it's time for them to go. Um and it needs to it needs to be done this week because if you do it this week you save yourself the embarrassment of losing to the Carolina Panthers. Um which I feel like if and when we lose to the Carolina Panthers, um the fact that that's when we fire our coach, I feel like that's even more of like an emotional boost for the Carolina Panthers because it's like we're the team to make you fire your head coach. And so like I don't want that for them because, you know, like they're still our quote unquote rivals or whatever. Um, you know, Quinn, Quinn came out saying that this was not the start that we envisioned. And, uh, I was like, yeah, no crap, dude. Um, like that's just one of those common sense things. Like I don't know anybody who's like at the end of four games, I want my team to be 0 and 4. So that was just again, insulting to the Atlanta Falcons fans because, like, of course, this was not the start that we envisioned either. But we also didn't envision you being the coach this year, yet here we are. So you just make do with what you have. You know, you make lemonade out of the lemons that you're given, not the ones that you want. Um, there was a Yahoo Sports article that I thought I found this super interesting. Um, there's a Yahoo Sports article Raheem Morris, kind of like you talked about with the special teams uh coordinator last week it said that uh dan quinn is setting up raheem morris to uh to be the one that falls on the sword um because the defense is awful our defense is, is beat up um like we were playing third stringers yesterday we we're playing guys from the practice squad like our defense is, is just not is not good man we're, we're beat up across the secondary um the one bright spot for our defense is we started uh kendall sheffield and I think the guy's name is Lady uh, Ray Wilson or something like that. Um, and they both look good. Kendall Sheffield looks really good, so I'm excited about him. Um, if if AJ Terrell can just kind of figure things out, I think I, we won't have like one of the top corners in the league, uh, corner duos in the league, but we'll we'll be competent at least. And so that that's gonna be that's gonna be good. Jeff, Kendall Sheffield looks looked really good. I'm excited about him. Um, but so, 
Uh, Dan Quinn, I've got like one more minute. Dan Quinn is a, a defensive guy, um, but the Falcons have never had a top 16 defense in DVOA with Dan Quinn. We finished within the top 16 twice in points per game allowed. Uh, since Dan Quinn has been our head coach, we've had three defensive coordinators, um, and Dan Quinn has failed to develop the talent that he had in Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley, um, Keanu Neal, Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, and Jalen Collins. Uh, the only ones that are worth anything are Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones and Keanu Neal, but Keanu Neal's been hurt. Uh, Deion Jones is not as good as I think he has the potential to be. Um, and Grady Jarrett's just kind of an outlier. So, um, Dan Quinn took over for Mike Smith, who was 66 and 46 with four playoff trips over seven seasons. Uh, Dan Quinn's now in his sixth season. He's 43 and 41. He has one NFC South title and one wild card berth. So, uh, that is not, that's not good. So that's the Falcons, man. It's, uh, it's just, it's time, it's time for us to fire Dan Quinn. We don't have to worry about being the first NFL team to do it because of the, uh, the Texans. So now that we don't have to worry about that, we can just go ahead, fire Dan Quinn. It needs to be this week. Um, Raheem Morris needs to be made interim, uh, head coach, allow him to kind of audition for the, uh, the position, and then in the offseason, we need to go get um, Eric B. Enemy out of Kansas City. So that's all I got to say about the Falcons, man. Well, there it was. So your your following question was exactly what I was going to ask. Um, okay. who, who, like, who's your candidate of choice? Like, if so, Dan Quinn, I feel like is um, is gone. There, there's no. I, I we, we you mentioned we talked about last week with with the um, with the special teams coordinator. And how Dan Quinn just allowed him to collapse himself on the on the sword when he has nothing to do with it. I mean, granted, yeah. there was that you know staring at the football, but uh, <laughs> more right. than that happened. And so I feel like Dan Quinn is just useful, and people take his faults and yeah. then saying, "Yeah, it, it was him. It wasn't me." Um, but I, I feel like they're going to clean house anyway. I mean, they need to. Um, I feel bad for all the coaches there, but. I mean, it's, it, I feel like the Falcons have hit a point where it's like, instead of just cleaning out coordinators, I feel like they just need to scrap it all, and then whoever they hire is the head coach, or at least scrap the the head coach, and then whoever they hire, let them decide whether everyone else stays or goes. Um, yeah. Which you know, nine times out of ten, everyone gets kicked out. Um, yeah. So you want you want Eric Eric the enemy out of uh, Casey? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough because here's here's the thing. Um, you're right as far as like, I think we just need to we need to fire the GM, the head coach, and everybody down. Which you know, usually when a head coach comes in, he cleans he cleans out the old the old head coaching guys, anyways. Um, the problem that that the Atlanta Falcons are going to run into is. You say you take somebody like Eric Bieniemy. Um, I don't know that Matt Ryan is an Eric Bieniemy quarterback, but somebody like and and on a, this is probably not going to happen. But somebody like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, um, you know Trey Lance, the guy out of North Dakota State. Um, those are like Eric Bieniemy quarterbacks. The problem is that Ryan is still too good for you to bring in a, a young guy who's ready to start within like a year or so. Um, but we're, we're not bad enough to, to land 
but Ryan, Ryan's not good enough, I don't think, to land you like a first round pick or something like that. So it's like you can't you can't really trade him because I don't know how much trade value he's going to bring in for what you want for him. But at the same time, you can't really bring in somebody like uh, like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance um, because they're all probably going to be ready to play within the next year. And so you ideally you want somebody who can sit for a couple of years behind Matt Ryan and then uh, allow that person to take over. But then at that point, like your head coach, whoever it is, if it is Eric B. Enemy, um, he's two to three years in, and you don't know what his record's going to be. So you really want to allow him to draft his own quarterback and stuff like that. Um, and same thing with our wide receiver core. You know, Julio is 30 years old, um, and I think for the first time in his career, Julio Jones looks like he is 30 years old. Um, Calvin Rayleigh, he's still young. Uh, same thing with Russell Gage. Hayden Hurst is young. Uh, Todd Gurley is kind of getting up there in, in age as well. Jake Matthews is, is up there in age. Alex Mag, I think, will retire either this year or next year. Um, so we're, we're an older team. Um, so if you bring in somebody new, like, you're going to want to go younger, but we don't have the draft capital and the cap space to go young. So um, I guess to answer your question, Eric Bieniemy is the first guy that sticks sticks out to me, and and that may that may change, you know, as the year as the um, as the season progresses. But I think Eric Bieniemy should have been a head coach this season, um, and I don't know if it's because of COVID or what, but he somehow like I don't get why the New York Giants hired uh, that Joe Judge guy out of New England instead of like an Eric Bieniemy yeah. or whatever. Um, and, you know, uh, things are working out great with Stefanski. I don't know if the Browns even uh, interviewed Eric Bieniemy or not. I don't remember. Uh, but, you know, like that that would have been interesting seeing Ken with the Browns offense. And that's on the knock against Kevin Stefanski. I'm just talking about the fact that Eric Bieniemy, I don't think, had a lot of interviews. I don't think that he, he interviewed with the Carolina Panthers. They chose to go with Matt Rule over him. Um Washington chose Ron Rivera, which there's no complaints about that. But, you know, you're looking for somebody to kind of establish your quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Maybe you go with Eric Bieniemy, who is a more offensive-minded coach. Um, so, and none of again, none of this is not against Rivera or Stefanski or whatever. I'm just a huge believer in Eric Bieniemy, um, and I think I think it's time for him to get get a chance to run his own NFL team. Um, another guy, you can tell me more about this. Another guy. Uh, is Joe Woods, who is the Browns' defensive coordinator. I don't know anything Man, about that. Man, my defensive coordinator. No, 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 no. You can't have him. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Joe Y'all interview Robert Sala from uh, from 49ers. Go interview him. We interviewed him <laughs> as well. Y'all can have him. Joe Woods. We're, we're warming Joe Woods up. Y'all can't. Our defense isn't that good right now, but they got potential, and I believe in Joe Woods right now. So y'all stay away from him. All right. All right, all right. We'll leave him alone. So, anyways, I was looking at – I was on Sporting News, and they were talking about, like, eight candidates for uh, for the Falcons. So, uh, Woods was on there? It's SportingNews.com or something like that. Well, you said uh, – was Joe, Joe Woods was listed on that? Yeah. He was number two. I don't know if it was – Whoa! Number. Yeah. It says, ranking the Falcons' best uh, Dan Quinn replacement candidates. If Atlanta fires that coach, I'll uh look. I'm 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 about to send it to your phone. Can I do that? Can I text it to you? Yeah, I'm gonna text it to you. Yeah, go ahead. I was like, what were they them. doing putting on? We we just hired him as a coordinator. He was uh he was the DBs coach um 
in San Fran. I think he had DC type yeah. roles um, in other yeah. places. Um, I'm surprised he's on the mainly because uh, he he has only been our been our DC for all of four games, and the least impressive part <laughs> of our team has been the defense. And it's of no what? fault of him. There he is, Browns' right, corner. Right. It's, it's no fault of him. We've had so many injuries. It's ridiculous. Yeah, right, um, right. And, and so he's he's doing the best he can with what we got. There's Robert Salas on the list too. That's who we interviewed. Um, yeah. But none of it is his fault. I think that our defense is going to be set when you know his entire defensive uh, backfield isn't beat up, and he's it's yeah. not his fault that our linebacking corps is just so young. Um, but, um, okay. I'm looking at this, the, the, a few of them. It's super I'm not surprised by. Yeah, Byron Leftwich, I think, would be another interesting pick. Um, Kevin O'Connell, I don't know anything about him, but he's been with Sean McVay, and, you know, there's always, they're always pretty decent. Uh, and then Joe Brady, I think, I thought, is, would be super interesting as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's ready to be a head coach quite yet. But I mean, I don't know, man. I, it's just kind of like I want an offensive guy because we tried defense. We've we've done Mike Smith and Dan Quinn have both been defensive, um, defensive guys, and so I want I want an offensive guy, preferably from that uh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton tree. Um, you know, because that's that's how the that's how the NFL is changing. So that would be that would be my preference. I think who's going to give y'all a run for their money? Uh, we won't spend long on this, but who's going to give a run for the money um, for what's his name? Uh, the enemy is going to because you mentioned a quarterback who could thrive under that system. It's going to be Houston Texans. Um, You're right. Yeah, I, I, right. I think him with Deshaun. I mean, they're lacking so much in weapons. But if you imagine. What he can do with Deshaun, um, it, they have David Johnson, who's actually he's not, he's not what he was, you know, three years ago or whatever it was, um, but he's a lot better this year than he was last year. They also have Duke Johnson if they hire somebody and can get him to stay. Um, their wide receivers are, are pretty much non-existent. I mean, I know that <laughs> that Deshaun's put up like 300 yards passing the past few games, but they're 0 and 4. Um, and I know that Brandon Cooks didn't have a single catch this past week. I don't know if he got hurt or whatever, but he had zero catches on the week. Um, so yeah, there's there's just there's a lot going on uh, in Houston uh, as Bill O'Brien, who traded away arguably one of the best receivers in the league, one of the top two best receivers in the league, just um, <laughs> fired after going 0 and 4. I kind of feel bad for him because they had. Probably the toughest four-game stretch of any team. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, looking at the, and the yeah. Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Vikings. And they're, they're about to play the Jaguars, and he got fired. So they decided to go ahead and fire him <laughs> so they couldn't change their mind when he beats the Jaguars. Uh, but they'll probably give you a, a run for your money with the enemy. Um, uh, we're not going to spend too long on the Texans, because I think we called this. Uh, during our um, during our, our, our breakdowns, what are your thoughts on on the Bill O'Brien firing the news? I think it came through yesterday. That no, that news came through. Yeah, my 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 main thought is this, man. I know that Bill O'Brien is the one without a job, 
but I still I think somehow he still won this move because he completely like he screwed the Houston Texans over for like a good three <laughs> years or so. Like think about this dude. He <laughs> he traded he traded away their best wide receiver, a top three, top five wide receiver in the NFL. He got a, a an older beat up running back in return. He lost their first two round picks for the next year or so. Um, he just paid their quarterback a ton of money, um, and I think I think Watson's worth it. But like, so now they have they have no money, no draft capital, and there's really no reason to go to like. There's nothing intriguing about the Houston Texans besides Deshaun Watson. But like you said, like. They're, they they don't have like a solid offensive core, um, you know like like you look at the Bengals like the Bengals are not good but like they've got Burrow, Mixon, uh, Higgins is coming along, Boyd is coming along, um, you know like that's a young exciting core. You look at your Cleveland Browns man, they've got Baker and Chubb and Hunt and OBJ and Landry, all those dudes are, like, 28 or younger. Um, and then the Texans, like, they've got they've got Deshaun Watson and David Johnson, <laughs> who, is, who is performing better than expected, um, but not worth a, a trade from De, DeAndre Hawkins. And then they've got Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, who neither one of them can stay healthy long enough. Um, so I don't know, man. That's my main thought is, like, Bill O'Brien to me got the last laugh, man. Like, yeah, he got fired, but it's like, it's like you fired me, man. But I, I, I screwed you guys over before you fired me, so I don't, I don't know, man. I'm interested, and in, really interested to see where he ends up going. Like, I don't think he'll be a head coach again, or not for a while at least. But Bill O'Brien was a decent play, offensive play caller, which is why he got the job in the first place. So I want to see if he'll go to the college ranks or if he'll end up you know, coaching somewhere in the NFL. I bet he probably – well, no, Josh McDaniels is there. I, was say, I bet he probably goes back to the Patriots, but uh, he might go interview with Saban for a little bit or something. <laughs> Had his uh, his uh, internship year with his, Saban. His Saban, uh, <laughs> his Saban internship year, and then come back and be ready to go. Well, you know, I mean, Josh McDaniels flirts with leaving every year, so when he actually does leave, <laughs> that spot will be wide open. For for um uh for for uh what's his name Belichick to be like come back Bill oh boy come here uh, <laughs> let's, let's let's make everything right um, yeah no I bet you know if 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 the front office would have I don't know how trades actually go through he's the GM I know things have to be signed off and and sent off um, but if the front office doesn't have any say over it like if if he doesn't have to run that by them. I wonder if if they knew that they're privy to the information beforehand and knew that uh that Hopkins was about to be sent away and knew that yeah. they were going to start 0 and 4 and that they were going to fire Bill O'Brien. I, I wonder if they would have <laughs> somehow uh I don't know, they fired him beforehand and be like no, we're not letting this happen. Um because I mean good grief, Bill O'Brien. You you completely so they they're going to take a <laughs> They'll have a run at the enemy. I know that the the Giants and um, 
and uh, Dallas are probably upset that they did not look at the enemy with uh, yeah. with legitimate. I mean, I don't know if the enemy would have been good with with uh, Eli Manning 2.0, but the right. enemy would have been really good <laughs> with Dak Prescott. Oh, yeah. I feel like uh, a Dak. Uh, um, I think he'd be good with, uh, shoot, he would have been good with Baker, but I'm yeah. happy with what we got, but he would have been really good with Baker yeah. and our, and our, and our weapons. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he lands, cause I think this year is the year that he definitely gets, I don't know how he got bypassed over, uh, for two years. Like we interviewed him, I think we interviewed him two years ago when we hired Kitchens. Um, right. And yeah. chose not to hire him. Uh, I think we interviewed him. I know we interviewed Stefanski, and it, and it was between Stefanski and Kitchens, and we chose Kitchens. And so the next year we did it right. Stefanski. We can talk about this. Might be uh, transition, but maybe not. But does it does it make you mad that you didn't you didn't hire Stefanski like two years ago? No, no. I was actually I was actually thinking about that today. And I am not mad that we went through that terrible season and didn't hire Stefanski because really, often, uh, uh, my reason being, and it's it's kind of the same Freddie Kitchens reason. Um, the year that Freddie Kitchens was our interim OC, Stefanski took over like halfway through the season for the Vikings to be an interim OC. Um, he didn't play call that whole year either. He played called part of the year. Um, and so if – now, I'm not saying Stefanski and Freddie Kitchens would have been comparable. For all I know, Stefanski could have came in and did last year what he's doing this year. Um, yeah. But if, if I'm going off of the – Freddie Kitchens was a nightmare. He only called half a season, and then he tried to be a head coach and a play caller, which was a disaster. And I think that we saved Stefanski that terrible year by not hiring him. And therefore, he was able to call an entire season as the full-time OC for the Vikings. Yeah. So he got yeah. a full season of play calling under his belt without head coaching responsibilities. So now that we made the correct decision and hired him, because um, he's calling the plays as well as being the head coach. And yeah, in this case, right. I think it's working. But I yeah. think that we actually did ourselves and even Stefanski a favor and not hiring him the first time, he he is he is so or, he seems so organized, put together, level headed, knows what he's doing. But giving him both those roles at one time, he wouldn't have been as disastrous as Kitchens. But I don't know how it would have went. And so in my mind, I'm justifying it really. But yeah. in my mind, by not hiring him, him spending a full team or four years in OC, and then becoming the head coach. Um, I think it paid out for both of us. Downfall for us is it was a major step back for Mayfield because the development wasn't there, the support wasn't there, the coaching wasn't there, all the hype was there, and it just it, it really took us back a step. Um, yeah. But no, that, and that's a good transition because I actually no no joke I was thinking about that today, um, and I was and I was trying to decide and I was like no. Nah, I think by not hiring him, I'm just glad that he chose to, you know, come interview again because he could have said, no, I yeah. tried last time. Now turn me down for that that uh, that terrible head coach you had for a year. <laughs> um, right. 
but no, he, he took the job, and so far, so good. Um, and so that'll be, I guess, our transition into my three and one Cleveland Browns. We have not woo, been. Woo, 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 woo. The last time we were three and one, the year was 2001. <laughs> I was in, let's see, the, the, that'd be the fall of 2001. I was in the fifth grade was the last time <laughs> the Browns went three and one to start a season. Man. They told us at least a million times when we started two and one that it was the first time since 14 that we had had, that we had been above 500 at all. And now we're two games above 500. So even if we lose this week to the Colts, we can't, we're still above 500, baby. Can't stop us now. We're rolling. Um, but I, I'm just, I am just thrilled to finally be watching a team that looks like they know what they're doing. That looks like they have a chance to actually compete. Uh, ESPN has us <clears throat> at like a 67% chance of making the playoffs now. Um, wow. I was nervous going into the week because even though the NFC East is an absolute joke, the only, we play all of them. The yeah. only team I was worried about was the Cowboys because of A, what they did to the Falcons, B, what they almost did to the Seahawks, um, regardless of the fact that Mike McCarthy is the head coach there and he is a imbecile as well. <laughs> uh, and people were like, the, the Browns should go after McCarthy. And I was like, no, 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 we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and now, we, and now we see why. That's who I wanted you guys to go after. And you were like, nope, 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 nope. And now mm-hmm. I see why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I was wrong. Not having that. Um, the, the fact that – now, the, the Cowboys' defense is terrible. But their offense with Zeke, Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, whoever that tight end was that kept freaking making 15-yard catches on us. <laughs> um, and I'm missing a wide receiver. There's, like – there's another wide receiver. A Gallup. And then some guy with the last name Wilson. I didn't even know um, – yeah. I don't know. He just kept making catches, too. Like, between all of those players who I, I saw all the potential – um, I was genuinely worried about this game because I know that our defense has struggled. And so I knew that we had to score every time we touched the ball if we wanted a chance to win. And we needed to run the ball to control the clock to make sure that their offense couldn't heat up. And luckily, we were up 41-14 in the fourth quarter. So their mega comeback uh, uh, sputtered. Um, Thankfully, because of OBJ, which we'll we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, no man, it oh man, it feels so good to watch this team. Like I get hyped watching these games, um, watching us tear up the run. Even though so Chubb is out for six weeks now um, with the NCL sprain, he went out in like the first quarter. But the way all of our running backs stepped up and. Um, and played Dearness Johnson, who was our third string running back, stepped in and had 13 carries for 95 yards. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's seven yards a carry. So he came in and was toting the rock like he is an elite, <laughs> uh, running back in the NFL. Uh, Kareem Hunt, 11 rushes, 
71 yards, 6.5 yards of carry, two touchdowns. We had 307 yards. And Nick, Nick Chubb, when he went out, was carrying it for seven yards of carry. We had 307 yards of rushing yeah. on this team. Baker only threw for 165 yards. He threw for two touchdowns, only had 165 yards, um, which I'm not complaining about because Baker throughout this entire game, and even for the last three games, has made nothing but smart decisions. He's not forcing throws. He's not putting himself in terrible situations. He's throwing it away when he needs to. He's scrambling and, and getting upfield when he needs to. Um, he's making great calls. So I, I am I am 100% okay with a 165 yard passing and two touchdowns when you're rushing for 300 plus yards a game. Um, we're, we're I mean I don't think we're rushing for that much a game. We're we're leading the league in rushing per game. Mm-hmm. But the fact that our, our offense, man, you don't know what we're going to do. OBJ is getting in it. OBJ had a, had one rush for 50 yards and a touchdown to kind of seal the deal. Um, he also had five five receptions, 81 yards, one of them being a like a 37-yard touchdown bomb from Jarvis Landry, uh, the very first series of the game. Um, or no, the second series of the game because we held the Cowboys to a three and out, and then we came in. And we drove it down the field, and then Landry launches one to OBJ in the end zone for a touchdown. And I went off. <laughs> it was such a great game. 49 points by a team that hasn't been putting up points like this, like, ever, um, as long as I've been watching them. Like, it, it is it is electric. The only downside, the only downside is the defense. If freaking, oh, I'm not even going to say, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to acknowledge him. But there's this one player that we got from Minnesota. Um, he plays safety. Um, how else do I describe him? Uh, he's number 23 if you want to go look at the roster. He is the sole reason we gave up two touchdowns immediately to the Cowboys. One, he was, co- first, first touchdown, he was just covering grass. His man was like wide open downfield, C.D. Lamb. And he's just out there just covering grass and tries to, mm-hmm. to, to go and, and, and get up there. The second one, <laughs> Amari Cooper makes an outstanding catch, but as you go back and watch it, um, uh, this individual player who we got from Minnesota who plays safety, who's number 23 on our team, launches himself in front of the receiver instead of trying to tackle him, and right. it becomes a touchdown for Amari Cooper. He, he later on forced the fumble, and that's the only good thing he did. But he is the absolute worst safety I think I've ever seen in my life. And why we keep playing him, I don't know. He was a captain for the game this week. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, and then we have our boy Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett in the first series had a sack. Later on, he had his third straight game with a strip sack where he stripped uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, there was a lot here to get excited about. Uh, and, and it was, oh, it was good. It was good. What questions do you have about the game? I am here to answer anything and everything. Any topic. Uh, Dallas Cowboys defense is that bad though. Like they're that, that, that. Um, well, but Baker, well, oh, good. Well, I was just going to say, on that note, I think we talked about this briefly. I can't figure out if the Dallas Cowboys are a bad team overall or not. Like, 
I, I, I really, I, I really don't know if the Cowboys are are good or not. Um, I don't think they're that bad, honestly. I think okay. my assessment, my assessment, and and it's been a trend I think for the past few games, is they start strong. I don't know, I don't know if they started strong with Atlanta um, no. or Seattle, but from all my from my my perspective of it, they started strong. Uh, put up, they were leading at the end of the first quarter, 14 to 7. And then it's like they just disappear. Like completely disappear for the, like they, they didn't score at all in the second and third. Completely disappeared. And then the trends for the past at least three games, I don't know what they did week one or who they played week one. Uh, they played the Rams and lost by three. Um, but, um, um, the fourth quarter, they just, I don't know what it is, but they come to life. Like, the Browns, it's almost like they know, oh, wait a minute, we're playing a football game. We should probably try and be in this. <laughs> and so they did it to the Falcons, except for they finished it. They put up a fight at the end against the Seahawks, and then they went on like a 24 nothing run in the fourth quarter against us and until we had that OBJ run that kind of killed the momentum and ended it. Um, yeah. I, don't, I honestly don't think they're a bad team. And, and also, let me put an asterisk next to this. Um, Dak Prescott are, are, are through for 502 yards. Every bit of that came in the first and fourth quarter, uh, and they <laughs> lost the game. So don't let that 502 fool you. He, did, he was irrelevant. Uh, for 50% of the game. So, well, yes, you could say, but, but in 50%, he threw for 502 yards. That's when they were down 41-14. And what I hate that defenses do, because the Browns did it as well, is when you're up that big, they stop playing aggressive, and they start doing that prevent, bend, don't break, and then it turns into a 24-point run. And it's also very um, uh, yardage-happy. Everyone's available in the middle of the field, so you're, you're eating up monster yards. Um, yeah. but Dak Prescott, that 502 yards is a giant smokescreen, uh, to the fact that he was irrelevant for 50% of the game. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, as far as Dak Prescott's concerned, the Cowboys are really going to wish they would have paid him last offseason because, like, every single game, his price goes up and up and up. Like, I, I don't think that Dak Prescott is just a system quarterback. I think Dak Prescott has established himself as a top 10 NFL quarterback. Um, and they're going to have to pay him like a top five NFL quarterback. So they should have paid him last year, but, you know, they didn't want to. And Prescott bet on himself, and it looks like it paid off. Um Yeah, I just – I don't know about the Cowboys, man, but we're not here to talk about the Cowboys. We're here to talk about your Browns. Um you guys completely whether the Cowboys are good or not, there there is no arguing that they're one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And you guys completely dominated them. Um it looks like from kickoff to, to the end of the game. Um I don't know how that first quarter looked because I, I didn't have access to the game, but I know that it it looked like you guys once you guys got rolling, you guys just kept rolling. Um OBJ, let's talk about him for a little bit. Do you think that this was his coming out game? Do you think that OBJ is going to have a great rest of the season? Or is this just an outlier and he's going to go back to how he was in the first three games? 
Oh, no, 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 this no, game, no. This game, he looks like he I, – I texted somebody. I said, if OBJ plays like this, there is no question he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And there's no, there's no question about it. It's not even close. If he plays like how he played Sunday, if he played like that for a 16-game season, he would be the best. He would be one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. Um, but I just don't know that he's going to play like that every single game. Oh no, he's he's here to play, and, and I'm I'm um, I think this is his his almost coming out party. It, it shows how um, my, my uh, Brooke joked around that. You know, this game, we had all sorts of players who were uh, rushing the ball who are normally receivers on how just OBJ does it all. Um, and, and I think that this was the beginning of his coming out party for the Browns. Like last year, it's no hiding it. Last year was an absolute disaster. And um, Kitchens was obsessed with trying to get OBJ involved without it being natural. And so it resulted – and like 42 targets to OBJ for like three catches. That's, that's an exaggeration, but it, but it felt like that. It, it really did feel like that last year. Um, and, yeah. and I saw that in the Ravens game, and I was starting to get frustrated because I was like, please don't let this be another season where we just throw it at OBJ, whether he's open or not, just to throw it to OBJ. Uh, and we haven't yeah. done that since. And I think this game really showed from the fact that we let Jarvis throw the ball to the fact that OBJ is running the ball to the fact that Baker's not forcing him um, the ball at all. Like, OBJ had uh, five catches on, I guess, eight targets. Um, it's still the most targets of the team, um, but they, they aren't forced. Their actual, like, chemistry-driven routes um, we're, we're running a lot to get it open, and I think this is just the beginning of what OBJ is going to do. I, I, I'm glad that it's working. I think it's the system, the offense working itself out, and by the yeah. offense working itself out, it's allowing us to fluidly get the, get the ball to our playmakers, uh, our, our receiving playmakers. Um, because, yeah, I mean, across the board, we, we didn't spread the love as much this game as we have in the past, but – you know, OBJ five catches, Landry five catches, Harrison Bryant four catches, Austin Hooper five catches, um, multiple catches for multiple receivers, and and even though we spread the love that much, OBJ still shined um, and, and showed that like you can't ignore this dude. He is as good as he was in in, New, in uh, with the Giants, I believe so still, um, and I think that's only going to help us and help him because you can't. You can't double cover him because you have too many people wide open down the field, so you have to That's do right. almost zone with him. You can't even really yeah. man him up because he's too fast. Um, and I think this is just the beginning of what we're going to see from OBJ this year. Um, and, in fact, I don't even believe he has to have a blow-up game every game um, as long as, you know, we're having success and we're being competitive. Um, I, I've heard an interview of someone who knows OBJ personally, uh, and, and Brooke has said this several times with the interviews we've heard, uh, when people say that, you know, he's getting frustrated because he's not getting the, the ball in, and now Brooke is coming to his defense like, no, he is not. He, he just wants to, to <laughs> win, he just wants to win and have fun and play, and I'm like, that's exactly what this person was saying, was that, He's misunderstood that, yes, he used to have, like, a really bad temper issue where, where that famous, you know, clip of him fighting the, the kicking net 
uh, where he kicked a ball into the net and then got stuck in the net, um, that he is competitive. He hates losing, but never does he ever really complain ever about not being the man. Like, he has no interest in necessarily being the man. He's just never, if you think about it, he's never been a part of a good team. He's been a part of, like, one good giant team. I saw in an article, this is the first time in his career in the NFL that he started 3-1. and one. Um, All he wants to do is win. He's playing across from his best friend. He's on a 3-1 and one team. They're starting to get him involved as well. And all he wants to do is be involved in the game plan. He, he from, from interviews and from people that have spoken uh, about him that know him, uh, he doesn't have to be our, our leading receiver every game. He just wants to be a part of the plan. Um, and so I think that uh, Stefanski is doing a good job of that. And then I think by what we saw this week against the Cowboys is exactly what we're going to be seeing from OBJ for the remainder of the year, um, which will only benefit us because that means <laughs> you either have to choose to double cover him and leave people open or you're at a disadvantage the whole game because our run game is also going to come down your throat. And so once you start stacking the box, we're going to go over the top. Um, and it's, it's going to be – this is going to be a dangerous team, especially if we can find a way to pay everybody over the next few years. I think this could be a dangerous team for years to come and somewhere that players want to come play so we can finally be like a relevant team. Um, but no, OBJ looked good, played good. Um, this, this is just the start. This is honestly just the start. I think he's on track to, to reestablish himself as one of the best, one of the uh, top, easily top receivers in the NFL. Um, and if this keeps up, it, you know, in the league, period. Um, man, it was good. It was so fun watching OBJ play. Um, if we can just get that defense going. Um, <laughs> but he's, yeah, we, we have, uh, the Colts this week, uh, and they are known to have a good defense. However, I was looking at their schedule and, um, and they lost to the Jaguars. They beat the Vikings when the Vikings were not good. Like, the Vikings have come to life over the past few. They blew out the Jets, and they beat the worst 3-0 and team, the Bears. <laughs> so I'm – like, like in the beginning of the year, we talked about the Colts and how we thought that they were going to be like an 11-5 sure. or five team and, and sure. be great. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they're that good. And so I am no longer, like, genuinely concerned about this team. Yeah. I think that we can. I think we can win this game. We can go to four and one. I, I'm really excited about this game and see how it goes. Uh, all this predicates on our defense. I don't believe Philip Rivers has been that much better um, than he was with his his last few years in uh, in San Diego. He hasn't come and blown it up like I thought he would. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how that goes. I want to see how OBJ keeps it up. I want to see how our run game continues on even as Chubb gets hurt. I was ready to come on here uh, in the first quarter and express that we were going to have two 1,000-yard rushers in Cleveland this yeah. year. Um, yeah. And with losing Chubb for six games, we're not going to have two 1,000-yard rushers. Um, but we we are I, – I am just talking in circles about the Browns. But we th- this, this is an exciting team, and this is the best I have ever, ever seen the Browns play. And I am – so excited to be here. For all you Browns fans that keep saying that you haven't bought into Stefanski yet, 
you got to hurry up and buy a ticket because this train is leaving. Um, <laughs> he is he is the dude. Um, Browns fans get so nitpicky about everything. You watch them on Twitter, and like they went nit. They, a lot of them were nitpicking the, the the Cowboys game about how he got conservative near the middle, and I'm like, we put up freaking 49 points. When's the last time we did that? Um, Stefanski is that dude. And then they want to point to like, but we have all these weapons. We should be putting up 49 points. And I'm like, but Freddie Kitchens couldn't. This is that dude. Um, it's going to be a good season, man. Buckle in. Dude, I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. Um, so I don't, and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer man, but I think we're going to figure out if the Browns are for real over the next couple of games. Um, the way that they dominated their run game, like you said, they're leading leading the NFL in rushing, I think, at like 206 or 210 yards a game, um, which is insane. And it sounds like you've already answered my question. Uh, the only two questions I have is, one, um, what is the impact of this Nick Chubb injury with Dearness Johnson? He had 13 carries for 95 yards, so it kind of looks like it's plug and play with with running backs for the Browns, that line, your line looks amazing, man. Um, what's the impact of the Chubb injury? And then number two is how good the Browns have started off. Is that sustainable? I know we both have them going 11 and five. Um, do you think they, they finish 11 and five? Do you think they finish 13 and three? What, what's, what's kind of your, your expectations for how the Browns finish? Do you think they win their division? Cause FC North looks good, man. I know it's only four games in, but um, the Ravens, I think, are three and one. The Steelers are, are three and zero, oh, which you know their game got canceled um, this past week. So I don't know, man. What's the, what's the impact of Chubb, and, and how do you, do you think that this, the Browns' dominance is, is sustainable? Um. Oh. Um. I guess well, well, well I guess we'll see this this. This um, Sunday, I feel like there's going to be some kind of negative effect. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that's only, I mean, Chubb is really good. But what, what has me hesitant on saying that there's a definite negative effect is the fact that we have, like, our backup is a legitimate um uh, is a legitimate um, starting running back in the NFL. Like Kareem Hunt could go oh, yeah, to any yeah. of these teams oh, yeah. who need a running back and could start. Uh, I, I, I was actually shocked at how little they used him when Chubb went down. Uh, he only yeah. had 11, 11 attempts. Like we ran let, – let me go back to the, the stats of that game. Um, oh, where's it at? Um we ran for 300 plus yards. We ran a total of 40 times. Uh, let's eliminate Baker's three scrambles. So 37 times. So I guess he carried it for about a third of the time. But the fact that after Chubb went down, um, Dearness Johnson became our, our main back. Yeah. He rushed for 13 carries and then Hunt had 11 carries. I guess it is next man up if Dearness Johnson can keep that going. And I feel like with how great our offensive line has been playing, um, yeah. And if Hunt can get going, and so therefore you have, you know, you have the defensive line and linebackers on their heels the whole time, um, 
I, I do think our run game is sustainable. I, I think I hope Dearness Johnson can keep this energy um, for as long as Nick Chubb is out. And um, I think Cream Hunt is a legitimate uh, starting running back, and that that is the biggest thing for us. Is no one really has two legit number one running backs, and we do. Um, Chubb is a 100% different running back than Hunt. There's a reason why Chubb yeah. is our go-to and Hunt is yeah. our backup. Um, Chubb reminds you of, like, that Saquon Barkley bru- – well, I guess they can't say it. It's not fair to say Helm. But, like, yeah, that bruising downhill running back, but it's still swift on his feet, can cut back um, and, and just get downhill. Whereas Kareem Hunt, when I watch him run, he runs very much like Marshawn Lynch. Uh, if you ever watch Marshawn Lynch run – he looks like he's out of control and he's just like skipping everywhere and, and doesn't have like just a downhill run, uh, almost like he's dancing across the field. Uh, Kareem Hunt looks the exact same way. And so, um, I don't know what relevance that had, but when I was watching Kareem Hunt run, I was like, he looks a lot like Marshawn Lynch running, not because they both have dread, but like the way they run, like it's yeah. not a conventional, let me get, to, <laughs> let me get to a gap and get downhill and run. But if you go back and watch Marshawn run, he, he seems very sporadic in his runs and the way he and the right. way he does it. Uh, and Kareem Hunt does the exact same things, and he's very good at it. Um, yeah. All that to Kareem say, Hunt, Kareem Hunt's a top ten, top fifteen running back in the in the league, man. He's, I mean, you're right. He could start at on any other team. I know if he if he, we would love to have him in Atlanta, dude. Uh, he's, he's good, <laughs> man. Um, before that, before that suspension, man, Kareem Hunt was a top five, top seven running back with the Kansas City Chiefs, and and he looked he looked good, man, before before that suspension, and and I think he's he's showing now that the Brown the Browns made the right decision in, in signing him, and uh, they made a, an even better decision now that Chubb's gone down in, in signing him to yeah. a long term contract. So well, and we gave him um, at the end of the season, we put him on like I think it was like a. a a first round tender, which I believe, yeah. I think it was first round. Maybe it was, I, I want to say it was first round. It's like somebody would have gave up a second round for him. Um, well, all you had to do, all you had to do was give us a first round pick and we would give them, we'd give you Kareem Hunt. Or maybe it was a second round. If it was second round tender, like, some teams look foolish. Yeah, I feel like it was a second round tender because I remember thinking like, how is nobody willing to give up a second yeah, round there it is. pick it, it, for a top 10 running back? Like, how how does that – maybe I just want to make a good GM, but to me, I'd be like – as soon as I saw that, I'd be like, here, take him. Give me give me Kareem Hunt, you know. Like, that's a no-brainer to me, man. He's – that dude uh, – I mean, we're already seeing. He's he's a great – he's a great – he's great at running the ball. Um, I think Marshawn Lynch is a pretty comparable, um, you know, person. But he catches the ball so much better than Marshawn Lynch, and he catches oh, yeah, the ball yeah, yeah. like a receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like he he is like a uh, like a Saquon Barkley, McCaffrey. He catches better than Zeke Elliott, I think. He's a better receiver than Aaron Jones. Um, who are some more of those top running? He's a he's a better receiver than some of those dudes. To where you could put him in the slot, and he could really be like a. a a, a good slot receiver, um, but then he runs the ball the same way you would expect, like a uh, a Zeke Elliott to run the ball downhill. Um, Derrick Henry, you know some of those some of those bigger running backs like Kareem Hunt is he's just the perfect blend 
of a running back from a receiving and running game. And so it's it's shocking that nobody was willing to give up a second round pick for for a top ten running back. Um well, and here's especially some, with all these injuries, man, you know? Yeah. Well and and teams that took so here's some teams that took a running back in the second round who all they had to do was give us their second round and they could have had an established running back. Uh the Lions took Swift. Um, Colts took Jonathan Taylor, who is actually panned out right now. Um, Rams took Cam Akers, who's hurt. Yeah. Uh, Ravens took J.K. Dobbins, um, who, you know, we don't know. He's, he, he hasn't really played much. Um, and A.J. Dillon went to the Packers. So yeah. four teams took a running back in the second round who could have just given us their second round pick and had, and if you were going to go running back, I know the draft, you don't know who's going to show up when it's your turn. But if you knew that running back was on the board for not a first-round pick but a second-round pick, I don't know why you don't just give up that second-round pick to us. Um, I guess Hunt only played six games last year or ten – how many did he play? He was suspended for six. He played ten games for us last year. He didn't have a major role. Uh, still came in and did some good. So I guess people were unsure. But I guess, you you know, you can watch our team now and see, oh, no, we uh, – yeah. We should have just gave up that second round pick and got yeah. Kareem Hunt and been all right. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine uh, Hunt on the uh, the I almost called them St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams, man? Like, oh, that'd be dangerous, golly, dude. Um, Give Sean yeah. McVay a running back like uh, like Kareem Hunt who can catch and yeah. run? No, thank you. Golly, dude, that would have been insane, man. So, yeah, Hunt, Hunt's good, man. I'm I'm a huge Kareem Hunt fan, so. A bit lie on too now. Uh, um, so I, I guess we'll see because if the Colts do end up having a good defense like they supposedly have, uh, we'll see how our run game can do without Chubb. And if there's no, if there's no um, lag, I think we're gonna be fine because the next six games. So if Chubb is only out for six games, our next six games are the Colts, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Texans, and the Eagles. Um, so really, you could easily go four and two. Yeah. Like so I, there's really only one game that I'm worried about there uh, without Chubb, and outside of that, I'm like, good. He chose if he's going to get hurt for six games. This is the <laughs> perfect stretch of six games to get hurt. Um, yeah. Because immediately after that game six, we play the Jags, which is a nice warm up game for him to get that going, yeah. and then the Titans and Ravens um, after that. But shoot, looking at the schedule and looking at how we played right now, we're three and one. I've kind of gone through and I jotted down some W's and L's to kind of predict where we might go. I have us doing way too good, so I might edit this as we go through it. But I definitely have us winning this week to take us to four and one. Um, I have us losing against Pittsburgh because it's in Pittsburgh, um, and I feel like I, I feel like our 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 winning streak has to end sometime. And with the next few games, that's the one that makes the most logical sense. Um, I think we beat the Bengals again. Um, I think the Raiders already peaked too early by beating the, the Saints. They got too hyped, and now they're not good anymore. Uh, so I have that as a win. I, I have the Texans as a win. I have the Eagles as a win. I have the Jaguars as a win. Um I'm actually going to go in and change this one. One, two, three, four, five. 
I'm going to change the Titans I had as a win. I'm going to move that to an L. Um, unless our defense picks up, you know, Tannehill has actually been pretty good, and Henry does scare me. Uh, I think we beat the Ravens at home when they come to us. Yeah. Um, I, I do think we split with them. Giants and Jets are both W's. Yeah. And I think we beat the Steelers at home. I think we end the yeah. season uh, yeah, with a victory, three. which would make us 13-3. and three. I mean, yeah. based on what I've seen so far, that I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we lose two more of those and we end up at 11-5. and five. I'll be stunned if we do any worse than 10-6. Yeah. Like, 10-6 yeah. is our low. And I think 13-3 and three is a high. And anywhere in between is a great, great, great. Like, 10-6 and, 10 and six is a great season for us because we haven't had a winning season. In uh, 2007 is the last time we had a winning season. So 10 and 6 is like peak for us. But I, I think we could land anywhere from 13 and 3 to 10 and 6 easily yeah, and, and, and not be shocked by it. Uh, the only thing we need is our defense to step it up with our offense, and we're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, the games that you guys have that are tough, you have at home the, the Ravens and the Titans. No, well, I'm sorry, the Ravens and the Steelers. Then the Titans, you know, you you go to two Tennessee. Um, that's going to be a tough game, but yeah, I, I definitely think you guys could finish a le- or thirteen and three. Worst case scenarios, you guys go eleven to five with a loss to the Titans, and maybe maybe you find a way to lose to the Ravens or Steelers again. Um, but the the Raiders are winnable. That game's at home. The Texans are winnable. That's at home. The Eagles are winnable. That's at home. The Jaguars, you know. Uh, the Jaguars, I think, will play you tough, but I think you guys, I think you guys will win. Um, the Giants and Jets, like you said, man, those are those are two easy dubs. So yeah. Well, and even the Jaguars. If if we if we keep rolling, like in our offense and our and our defense, if our offense keeps clicking and our defense begins to step it up, even though the Jaguars normally play us tough, I feel like we'll have. Because if what I have written down is true, we would be coming off of a one, two, three, four game win streak and clicking. Yeah, so yeah. either the Jaguars, I, I don't think that momentum would be ruined until the Titans. Um, yeah. So I don't think the Jaguars would even bring us down. So I, I mean, I'm genuinely 13 and three would not surprise me. Um, anything worse than 10 and six would 100% surprise me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, yeah. If Stefanski and Brown find a way to 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 finish worse than ten to six, man, you we might need to have a conversation. <laughs> we, I may be joining you on the new coach search. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that allegiance show is going to be legit. We may both be be switching allegiance. <laughs> if, if we end the season, if we end the season three and thirteen, I'll be there with you. I'll be calling for Stancy's job. But uh, there you go. Oh, if we find a way to go three and thirteen, I think I might cry myself to sleep every night. <laughs> That'd be so disappointing. Be, rough, It'd be the most round thing ever to do. That would be rough, dude. Oh, Score thirty plus for three straight games, and then find a way to lose the remainder. <laughs> oh, man. oh man! Yeah, that would that'd be that'd terrible. Be all right anything else uh i almost forgot that we were on a podcast i'm just over here talking um 
And anything else for the people? Uh, so by the next time we record, man, my Los Angeles Lakers could be NBA champions, which is kind of cool. I know we don't talk a lot about basketball out here, but um, oh. I just want to go ahead. I just want to go ahead and say it so that people know that I am a fan. I've been a fan, so when the Lakers win, it's not like, oh, look, he's a bandwagon Lakers fan. Um, so I'm excited, dude. I. I, I might get emotional if the Lakers win, man, just because I believe that this year would have been for Kobe, and, and they, I know that they've already come out and said it, man. So um, game four is tonight, and game five is Friday night. Um, so if not, then game six, I think it's Sunday, and game seven would be Tuesday. So um, they've got a, they've got a chance, man, to, to do something special. Um, so that's really it. It's true, people. As long as I've known Donatus, he's been a Lakers fan. He's not just—he's not just making this up. He's been a Lakers fan. We went to a Lakers Hawks game together once. He's—he's he's tried and true. He's real. Um, LeBron will get his. How many has LeBron won? Has he won like five? Has he only won three? Yeah, he's won. That's why he won one in Cleveland. So much, dude. Has he really only won three? This is like his tenth championship. Wait, hold on. He won. Yeah, yeah. He didn't win one the first time he was in Cleveland, right? He won two in Miami and then one when he came back to Cleveland. But he's played in like nine finals. That's why you think that he's won more than he's played in like every final since he's been in the NBA. But like like, for real, seriously, he's played in like the last like. 10 or 12 NBA finals it seems like like yeah he's only he's only won 3 yeah wow okay <laughs> I thought he had more than that yeah you would think so. I know we dog him because like his record in the NBA finals is not good yeah I didn't realize he was 3 and 6 <laughs> So if the heat, if the heat find a way to ruin it for us 3 and 7 I mean Dog. You got there ten times, but yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear LeBron and MJ in the conversation anymore. If if the Heat come back and win this one, I don't want to hear it anymore. If he go, if if he goes three and seven in NBA Finals, you know they'll yeah. be back next year for him just to lose again. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're not wrong. So I saw yeah. that he's been in more NBA Finals than like eighty percent of the NBA. Like by NBA, I mean like NBA team franchises. Oh, <laughs> what? Like they they had they had uh, there's crazy. like there's like four franchises who have been to more NBA finals than LeBron James, and LeBron has been to more than all the rest, all of them. Now I almost said combined; that would have been absurd. But like yeah. he 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 alone has been to. More NBA finals than it may be more than eighty percent, like ninety percent of the league. It's crazy. That's yeah. That's an insane stat, man. That's really. It's like it seems like it'd be hard to believe, but and he's been in that in the NBA for seventeen years. What's crazy is he's now that I said it, he's he's gone to the NBA finals half of the time that he's been in the in the NBA, man. Yeah, he's only like, I mean, won three. How is that possible? Well, you think about when he was when he was in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference was so bad. Um, I mean, he was in in there representing the Eastern Conference like his entire career until he went out to L.A. <laughs> um, and even at that, 
How long has he been in L.A.? From one year or two years? Like, is, is this season two or season three for him? I think this is season two. Cause he, so he went. He got there, and last year he was like, "No ball, Ingram, all these dudes." They got. That's right. That's right. So he went to he went to the Trash Lakers, and it took him one year to turn the Lakers around. Whereas the Lakers were pathetic for like the past eight years. And LeBron goes there, and he goes, "No, we're not doing this. You, 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 and you, get out of here." Uh, <laughs> Get, get my friends around me, please. Right. <laughs> give me, give me AD and KCP, and uh, go ahead and give me Rondo too while you're at it. And uh, I like that dude. Give me that guy off the streets. Go ahead and you know, I'll find a way to revive Dwight Howard's career and Javale McGee. You come play along too. It's crazy, man. He's just don't give me my old friends like Dwayne Wade and them. They're old. Give me some newer, improved friends. And then I'll choose some scrub stars that can come play, like JaVale McGee. He can, he can show up and touch the court whenever I say so. Oh, man. LeBron oh, man. and his friends. Well, here we go. Here's to LeBron James and winning his first NBA championship in 20 tries. Yep. Lucky number, Something if like we that. win, dude, it'll be lucky number 17. We'll be tied with the Boston Celtics for the most NBA final championships in uh, NBA history. And you know who you can thank for that? LeBron. LeBron AD. James. AD for being <laughs> uh, LeBron will get Don no credit is, from me. There it is. Don says has <laughs> been on record LeBron hater for years, and now he's forced to semi-go for him. Uh, because he is a Laker. <laughs> Look at God. Look at how he puts you in tough situations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's the tough situation we're looking at here. We're looking at God because he made, because he's causing Donatus to deal with the best player in the NBA to be on his team. Like, forget, forget COVID, man. The fact that I have to choose between. Pulling for LeBron James and my Los Angeles Lakers. That's that's tough life. That's tough life. Tough life. <laughs> first world. That's the definition of first world problems, right there. People Easy. are starving, don't have anywhere to live, and I'm over here like, yeah, but I don't want to pull for LeBron James. <laughs> like, um, Can I pull for please anyone else and still be in the uh, NBA Finals, please? Welcome, <laughs> welcome to America. <laughs> Uh, and on that note. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Share it with a friend. Let us know if you want to be a part of the Change of Allegiance episode where you can choose a new football team to be a fan of. We're out.